Hello, 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 everybody. This is I am Stacy Thomas, Unrestricted Unlimited. Never put me in a box, baby. I have yet to see what God has for me. Today, I am really, really excited. I have a beautiful woman here that I met a couple years ago who's an author, talk show host of her own show, which we will talk about later. And um, she's doing some awesome things in Richmond, Virginia. Sheila Battle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, beautiful. I am so excited to be with you. This is going to be fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> and you you know, um, I've been told, Stacey, you laugh a lot. I said, but you know what? When I laugh, you can tell that the person I'm interviewing is special to me or there's somebody that I'm just comfortable with. And um, mm -hmm. I've got to say, I've been just like looking very forward to having you on the show. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. So before we get into your book and the other things you're doing, I would like to know um, who is Sheila Battle, the person, the woman? Like if I met you out somewhere, what am I going to like, how, how am I going to feel about you? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, what I would hope. Um, so, so I think that's two parts. So who am I? I am, I am a, um, I am, I, I don't want to just, cause I don't want to say what I do. Cause this is a good question. Who I am is a lover. I'm an ambassador of grace. Um, I'm a hugger. Um, I'm a good listener. That's who I am. Okay. What I can do is I get to be Frank's wife and Trinity and Zion's mama. I get to be um, the queen at the battle station. I get to love everyday people every day. That's what I, that's the stuff that I get to do. What I hope you would walk away with after an interaction with me is that you would feel fully seen. I think that's the big thing, that you would feel fully seen, that after having a conversation with me, you would feel like, Wow, she she saw me. No judgment, no comparison, no condemnation, but she just saw me and she let me be who I am and express myself the way I need to. That's what I would hope. That's what I would hope. Wow. Well, hey, you know what? Um, you described the woman that I met at the leadership program a couple years ago. Um, I just remember you walking in the room and my sister, for some reason, she must have thought, that superstar needs, I need to tell my sister about that superstar because I mean, she immediately said who you were and what you did. And I'm looking and she was like, Stacy, you need to talk to her. And I remember talking to you for a couple of minutes and um, I know you didn't know me, but you didn't make me feel like a stranger. And right. that's what made me want to read your book. And then, and I know we're going to get to that, but after reading your book, it made me want to I wanted to converse more anyway, but you made me so comfortable that I felt like even reading your book, I want to talk to her. I want to sit down and have a talk with her. If it wasn't for this virus, I would have wanted you in the studio. Wow, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. just that um, you enjoy being around people with good vibes. So you've said that, and um, you may say, Stacy, this is, no, it's different. What's your purpose? What is your purpose on this for being here? My purpose is to offer people the chance to have an alternative thought. To not be so stuck in who they think they are or what they think they know that they don't exercise some courage to think a thing a different way. Okay. I think the other side of that coin is once they see a thing, to unpack it. And that's what I do. I help people untangle what matters so they can live a life that flourishes. That's my work. That's my passion. That's my calling, right? Um, and I want to be that safe place, that safe space where people can do that. Have you always known what your purpose was? Absolutely not. 
No, no, absolutely not. You know what? And what, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have said that that quickly. I think I've always known that I was a helper. Okay. What I didn't know was that I was a healer. Okay. And there's a difference. So I think I've always known that, um, that I wanted to help people, that I wanted to be part of the solution and not just talk about the problem. I think even in kindergarten, like I knew, um, it's funny, we were just talking to our kids and um, we have, our kids are justice babies. Like they want what's fair and equitable. And I always attributed that to my parents, but mm-hmm. I that was me too. Like when I was little, well, how come she can't play? How come she can't jump double dutch too? Why is it just these girls get to sit at this table and nobody else gets to sit? Like I was always asking those questions about being fair and about being equitable and about being inclusive. Um, And so, yeah, like I think that's always been in me and who I am um, that I want everybody to be able to have their say, even if I don't agree. Okay, so we know about the helper and you said there was a different, the helper, you said there was a difference. So I'm gonna ask, What's the difference in a helper and a healer? So the helper helper drives you to the hospital. Okay. The healer bandages your wounds. Okay. Right. I don't want to just be the person that gets you to where help is available. I want to be in the trenches getting bloody helping. Wow. Being part of the healing of somebody. And so what that looks like for me is... People are walking around and I know we use buzzwords like trauma and triggers and all of that stuff. And it's one thing to talk about all of that stuff. And then there's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing to hold space with somebody. Wow. To sit in the middle of it with somebody and say, now let's unpack that. That's almost like I say, I want to do more for you than pray for you. Right. Prayer is good, but can I, can I do something to help you other than just pray for you? Right, right. And 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 I tell people all the time, and I think I said this like the leadership thing, a hug is a whole conversation. When you think about how many people you know that are single, and this really hit me the other day because we were doing we were doing a, a session um with another with another organization, and someone in the thread said. Um, Because I kept hugging. I kept hugging in the virtually in the video. Right. I kept saying, give yourself a hug. And then I was like, oh, this hug is for me. Like, Uh that's for me. And uh, one of the ladies in the thread said, thank you for these virtual hugs. I haven't had a hug in over a month. Wow. People, especially in the season of life that we're in right now, who have no contact, have no sense of connection. Like I, I, I feel like it's my calling, it's my purpose to be one of those people that make that make you feel connected, that offer an opportunity for you to feel connected, so you never feel like you're. Now absolute. you're breaking up a little. All of a sudden. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we together? Can you hear me? Oh, you're freezing on me too. <laughs> yes, sorry. You see yourself freezing? I don't see me freezing. I see you freezing. Uh, let's see. I can hear you. Yes, ma'am. I can okay. hear you, but for some reason, you're frozen. Okay. Well, as long as we got I'm audio. Freezing. You were. Yes, ma'am. That's better. Yes. Okay. How about now? Y- so, <laughs> so, can I have a hug? I like like for it to be for me. Thank you. So, so, um, very interesting. So your book. Yes. That book. (laughs) Listen, look at me. That book. I mean, I don't have the book to show you that I I have it. Right. And as an author, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if you feel like this, but I don't want someone passing my books around. I want you to tell the person to buy the book. But you created a book that sometimes you walk 
and you bump up into somebody or you meet somebody, they need what you have in that book right then. Mm. So yeah. that that's happened, right? <laughs> and um, not like I said, not I tell them about you and I tell them about the book, but I, you feel sometimes people can't wait for it to come in a the mail. They they might need the solution or the words that you're giving them right then. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about 15 minutes of grace, please. Wow. So I I don't feel like it's fair to tell you about 15 minutes of grace without telling you how that how 15 minutes of grace happened. So um and in the book I talk about this, I've had um, the most devastating loss of my life, um, the most devastating tragedy of my life was the death of my sister, who was murdered in Richmond City back in 1995, June 15th, 1995. And on June 18th, 2016, her son, my nephew, was also murdered in Richmond City. And so 15 minutes of grace um, was this gift that God gave me between these two murders. Um, and what it was about was giving me a safe place so that I could unload my anger, my questions, my frustrations um, about what had happened, what had happened to my sister, what had happened to our family and how we were dealing with it afterwards. And so, some people in some circles want to call it a meditation practice. Some people want to call it prayer. Some people want to call it contemplation. You slap whatever label on it you need. Just do it. Because the reason that my response to my nephew's murder was 180 degrees different from my response to my sister's murder was because of 15 minutes of grace. And had it not been for me knowing that I had a safe place to go to in God, I would have lost my mind when my nephew was murdered. Because who has a family where you have two cold case homicides happen 20 some years apart, almost to the day. And the parallels between my sister's death and my nephew's death were so obvious. Like there were so many parallels that it was the exact same thing that that would have been enough to put, to, to drive me nuts. I would have went right over the edge. Um, but this gift that I got was to hold space for myself, to learn how to hold space for myself and to invite God in to whatever I was feeling and in the moment, however, whatever I thought, whatever I believed to be true and to unpack it, to start unpacking it. Now, God did send other people to walk alongside me. But during those 15 minutes of silence, during those 15 minutes of me being by myself, it was me and God. And he's big enough to handle my anger, my questions, my frustration. And I learned that not because I went to church. I learned that not because I knew all the scriptures, not because I mean, I live in a house with a thousand, two thousand books. It's not because of what anybody could have told me. It was because of what I experienced for myself. And 15 minutes of grace, I believe, is one of the tools um, that God wants to use to help people have that space where nobody's telling you how to feel, what to think and who to be, where you and God work that out. And it's not all of this interference and um, opinions of from all of these other people about what you think you should, what they think you should do and how they think you should act and how they think that you respond. There were people who couldn't handle my grief. This is my sister. This is my best friend. This is my first best friend. It's the person who raised me, who took care of me, who the person I ran to when I was scared. When I was running from my mama, I was running to my sister. And now she's no longer here. And I'm married and I got these babies and my sister's not here. Like none of like all of that. It, it took me being snatched away from the noise of everybody else. And even in my own mind to get in the silence, to sit in the silence and to say, OK, God, this is me and you. Either you real or you're not. Either you're going to help me or you're not. Either you love me or you or you don't. Either I can trust you or I can't. This is where I found that out. It wasn't on the altar. It wasn't in church. It wasn't somebody laying hands on me. It wasn't in the therapist chair. It was me and God in the trenches working it out. And that's why now I can sit in the messiness of life with other people because I've been there and done that. Yeah. 
you didn't tell me you were going to make this an emotional interview. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's just um, my husband and my kids say you should travel with tissues because you make yeah, people cry. Every go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, I'm sorry about your sister. I'm sorry about your nephew. It's interesting um, when you said um, you had to find that space with God because I know what it's like. I don't know what your pain is like, but for those watching, she's telling you what this book is about. She's telling you that she didn't just think of something to write about, but you took your time with God. And um, it's a lot of times death, things that happen that we don't expect that take a toll on us mentally. Mm -hmm. I think that 15 minutes of grace is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And, 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 and I don't want to typecast the book because the truth is people with no faith confession at all have been inspired and encouraged by this book. It's not, it's not intended for one type of people. And I like if, that. You know, pain is for you. Yes, if you've ever experienced any loss, because remember, grief isn't just about death. It's about loss. So whether you lost a job or a dream or lost an expectation, this book is still for you because it's about your own inner work and how you respond to that loss. It's not about changing the circumstances. It's not about changing the other people, but it's about how you make a decision to self-regulate within it. Yes, ma'am. So, so, and, and that's so it was two things that caught me right away that I liked. Hey, just me personally. One was that I don't remember your exact words, but it was basically even if I don't call him God or if I don't believe a certain way, that book was still for me. I got that. I, I got yeah. that. Um, yeah. The other thing was so you wrote a book and it says 15 minutes of grace. So I'm thinking Sheila Battle's going to tell me I need to take time out for 15 minutes and I need to meditate. And some way, I don't remember your exact words. I basically got the impression it's OK if I only want to do 10 minutes. Yeah. If I only want to if I want to do 20 minutes. So it's good yeah. that you, you, your book is it's inviting. It's, it's right. welcoming. It's welcoming. No matter what walk of life, this is what I got from it. No matter where you come from, you're welcome to sit down and enjoy this read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't meant to be legalistic. OK. It was meant to be a resource. OK. So the idea isn't that you sit still for 15 minutes and you have to do it exactly like this or it isn't going to work for you. Okay. Um, it's The idea of it is to meet you where you are and to give you some tools. That's what it's about. It's about giving you some tools so that you can grow into the best healed, most authentic version of yourself. And that's what it's about. It's not about, I got the elixir. I got the next great self-help thing. <laughs> you know, um, It really is about encouraging people to take time out for themselves. And as women, whether you're black or woman of color, whether you're white, Taking time for ourselves isn't something that is innate. It doesn't naturally dawn on us to take care of ourselves. It doesn't naturally dawn on us. People want to say that we live in a very selfish culture, and in some areas we do. But I think for a lot of women, and not that the book is just for women, but I think for a lot of women, we have to be told it's time for you to, you need a timeout. Okay. <laughs> because there's always something to do. There's always right. something to do. Um, but to give yourself permission and to hear another busy black woman say you have permission, because it's not as if I don't understand. I live in one of the busiest houses in my neighborhood. And if I can say that I have to stop and sit down and take stock and rest and read and write and listen and receive and reflect and then repeat, because those are the stages in the back of the book. If I if I'm saying that I have to do that in order to maintain then surely this is an invitation for you to do the same and see what results you get. And there isn't anybody who's actually taken my 15 minutes of grace challenge. They have come back and said, well, that just didn't work. I've not had one person who actually did it to come back to me and say, well, that was just a complete waste of my time. And I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I, I, that happened. So 
I'm open if it does happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it hasn't so far. So um, holistically, can you tell me what that means when you say you're here to help people develop holistically and not merely on the surface? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, I think we live in a culture where we want quick fixes and we want to follow somebody's five step program or three steps to this and, you know, drink these smoothies for seven days and you're going to lose 20 pounds. Like we just got this quick fix mentality. Um, and we think if we just do this one thing, if I just, if I just take this one pill every day, I'm going to lose weight. If I just drink this one shake every day, no, it's holistic. It has to be an integrative approach. Anything that is for your betterment is not linear. It has phases, it has gates, it has pieces, it has parts. And it's the integration of all of that that gets you what you need so that you can move to the next level, so that you can come out of grief and shame, so that you can live a prosperous and abundant life, so that you can have and experience emotional wellness and emotional wealth. It that All of that is not a one, two, three thing. And so when we say we have a holistic approach, it means that we're interested in all of your life in all of the pieces that make up your life so that we can figure out what's your next best step forward. It's not, if you just go to church, if you just go to church, your whole life gonna be right. No, that's not necessarily true. It's, it's not, if you just go to the therapist, everything's gonna be all right. No, that's not necessarily true. It's an integrative approach, it's holistic. It's when you take the pieces and the parts of the whole and bring them back together. Because somewhere or another you got out of alignment. If you was working yourself to death and you was you was um, and you were um, developing yourself professionally, but you stopped your physical. Right. right. Then you're out of balance. Right. So now I got the corner office, but my but I got high blood pressure and I'm taking metformin because I'm a diabetic. So, <laughs> so a holistic approach says, what are all of the facets of my being? And how am I attending to all of them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually? How am I pulling things together so that holistically I have a better life and I'm not deficient in any area that I can bring everything up? All boats rise high in the tide together. How do I get all of these facets of my life to elevate? Because if I get you right mentally, but your finances are still messed up, spiritually, you still jacked up, then are you really healed? Are you really whole? Or do we just get you right in one area? So whole, so yep. soul care is about looking at all of it. It's about looking at all of it. And it doesn't require a specific faith confession. And like I said, we, we deal with a lot of folks from the church and we're in the church. We love Jesus. Hallelujah. But I recognize that we live in a society where people have different faiths. They have different beliefs, but it doesn't mean they don't deserve help. And so I have to be um, able to pivot. I have to be able to pivot so that we can help the, the most amount of people that we can. And a lot of people that we that we work with were in church and fell out. They fell out with the pastor. They fell out with the usher. They fell out with the choir. They fell out with somebody, but they love God. They so just when church. So we help. We do what we can to help. So right. when you say, yes, ma'am, when you, you say we, right? So this is taking me to something else. So, well, before we talk about we and what we're doing and the other things that you offer, how can your book be purchased? So we are fresh out of hard copies. We are fresh out. So we're I think directly you lost me. How can your book be purchased? So we're we're fresh out of hard copies. So we're directing everybody to Amazon. Only when good when good stuff is being said, this Facebook will mess up. Ah! Are you there? I am. I am. So we're directing people to Amazon. Okay. Um, I don't have any more hard copies. We are fresh sold out. Okay. 
I don't know what's going on, Sheila. I can hear you. I just your 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 screen is frozen, but I can hear you. Okay. So Okay. Are you doing any book signs? Well, no, not right now, but do you have any yeah. book signs coming up for the later part of the year in, in your local area anywhere? Um, I'm hoping that we can get a shipment of books in once all of this kind of calms down with COVID-19. What's going on with this? Can you hear me? I can. I can. And my screen is frozen now. No. Am I moving? I can, and I can hear you. Yep. You look great. Can you hear me? Let's see. How about now? Yep. I can hear you and I can see you. Okay. You can see. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just you yes, just beautiful. So okay. So we know how to get the book now. Okay. So this this word you keep using, we, we. I'm <laughs> so ready to talk about this. Who's we and what do we have going on? So I'm married to the nicest man I've ever met in my life. Okay. He is Frank Battle. He is um, my he is my best friend, my road dog, and he is the producer of all of our video and audio content. So um, Frank and I have been together for twenty five years. We've been married for twenty three years. Okay. And um, we have two amazing daughters, and we are the residents who live at the Battle Station. The Battle Station is a community but we are the folks who actually live in the house. Okay. <laughs> our name is Battle, and so they call our house the Battle Station. And we do, um, we are open-ended resource for our community. So regardless of what the need, people call us for all types of things. So that's what got my attention during that first conversation we had too. When you yeah. said the, the Battle Station. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... The battle station is in Richmond, Virginia. Yes. And the battle station is more than just the building. Yes. The battle station is a family and there are folks who um, originally, um, well, not on, I don't even want to just say originally, there are people who are connected to the battle station, like I said, holistically, who don't live here. Um, we have, two children by birth, but we probably have 50 or 60 kids um, that, that are our bonus kids. And um, we have sisters and brothers who come alongside us and journey with people and provide services and are a resource for people who are in need. And so like before we got on the call, we were talking about Alva Carter Kershaw. Alva Carter Kershaw doesn't live at the battle station, but she is absolutely a part of the battle station. And when someone comes along and they need her, um, we are the directory that sends people to her. Okay. Um, so Johnson is a financial wizard. And so when people come to us and they're struggling in their finances, we send people to her. She is absolutely a part of the battle station. She just doesn't live here. So it's not just those whose last name is battle. This is a family. It is a covenant family. And we cut covenant. Uh, we made covenant. Um, 20 years ago to say that we would pray together, that we would live um, together, that we would raise our children together, that we would hold each other accountable, that we would jump in each other's stuff and in each other's space when we need to, but that we would also help one another. And so that's what the battle station is. It's a family. It's not, it's not just a building. It's not just our house. It's a, it's a family. And, and the building itself, if Stacy was ever like, if Stacy ever needed to just come and sit in the battle oh, stage. Yes, girl, just come. <laughs> you are invited. Just come. Just Thank come. you. So um, my sister comes on and she has to let everybody know that you're her jelly sister. Gally. 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 Gracie Harris Leadership Institute. Gally. Yes, I am. She had to come on like she's so special. My Gally sister. <laughs> So so, I love you, honey. That's what she's saying. <laughs> Hello, beautiful. Um, yes, oh, she's telling people they will love you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we have the Sheila Battle is the author. 
We yes. have Sheila Battle, who's one of a group of awesome people about the battle station. Yes. Um, before we jump into this bigger, this other one, tell me about your consulting. On your website, it says you are a coach and you're consulting. Yes. So what I do is I go into organizations, nonprofit and for-profit, and I help them establish the organizational health, or I help them recognize the organizational health of their, their company, um, their team. And so I come in, I go to team meetings, I meet with the leadership, and then I give them an assessment. Okay. And I say, this is what I think the organizational health of your department is or, or of your company. And then I give them resources and tools and ideas about how they can have a healthier work environment. Okay. Right. And so that's the organ that's the consulting piece. The other thing is I do training and development, do personal and professional development. I'm a certified executive coach. So I have executive directors for nonprofit organizations and VPs of companies um, who are clients. And I might only meet with them once a month or once a quarter just to do a check-in. If there is someone in an organization who received an adverse performance evaluation, they might call me and say, can you meet with this person? We, this is a great worker. We really want to keep her, but she has a horrible attitude or she has this or she has that. I might meet with those folks. And so it just depends on what the need is. Um, and if I can't do it, I'm very, 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 very humble enough to say, but I have a resource for you. And I point them in the direction of the best person for the for the job. So in that space, it's about how do you create community at work? Wow. How do you have a healthy community at work? Because these are the people that you're with the most. So what do we need to do to make sure that everybody has a healthy experience with each other on the job? Okay, you're a very busy woman. Sometimes. You know, it's feast or famine, you know, either either I need to clone myself or, you know, sometimes I'm twiddling my thumb. No, I'm never twiddling my thumbs. But, you know, it just depends on what the need is. I anticipate that coming out of COVID, that there will be um, a lot more opportunities to help organizations, because now that you've been home for two months, how do you get back together? You know, okay. how, do you, how do you bring the organization back together? How do you bring your team back together? How do you get everybody's mind back right? so that emotionally, mentally, they can show up and do the job that you're paying them to do. So that kind of stuff, we'll see what happens, but I anticipate that that, that will increase as we come out of this pandemic. Oh, awesome. That's awesome that um, the services that you're providing. I tell you, I, I'm just, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, back to the we. Look, I get, I smile because of, you smile when you say we. You. And your husband have a show. Tell us yes. the name and about the show, please. So the name of the show is Soulful Conversation with Frank and Sheila Battle. And so I can tell you how that started. That started because we had a season um, where we had a lot of couples and they were in varying stages of their relationship. And they were like, we're the auntie and the uncle. So the stuff that you don't want to tell your mom and daddy about the person that you in love with, they would come tell us. And okay. so it started, um, it, it, the, the, the volume of it was picking up so much that we were like, you know what, there's some common themes. There's some things that we find ourselves saying over and over and over again to these couples as they come to the battle station. And so we decided to just do a show and just answer all of those questions and put that kind of content out there so that whatever stage you're in, you had a resource, right? Um, what we didn't know is what that was going to turn into. So it turned into a number one podcast show. It turned into organizations calling us and saying, can you do our premarital counseling workshops, sessions, conferences? Can you come speak at this? Can you come speak at that? And my husband is a consummate introvert. And I'm a consummate extrovert. And so seeing the two of us together on stage is usually hilarious. <laughs> it's usually pretty funny. Um, but the idea of it was just, who do you go to? Because, because it's hard to go to your family. And then, because your family isn't as forgiving as you. That's right. That's right. So who, That's right. Who, who do you go to when he messes up? That's still going to love both of you non-judgmentally when it's over. 
And so we became that resource and we were offering those services to people. And then it just turned into a thing. And so then the podcast launched. And to this day, I think the most popular one is 10 things I wish I knew before I said I do. And so, so it gave people a chance to go, yeah, I did. I I wish I, I wish I had known that before I got married. Um, And it gives people a starting point for how to talk to us. So now instead of coming to us to point the finger at each other, okay, they come to us and say, can we talk about these, these things? And it gives us some framework. And so we have resources and we're both certified and we did all the training and all of that. But a lot of it is us sitting and holding space with people and allowing them to have their say. Um, we do a lot of mediation. We end up doing a lot of mediation um, with couples who are on the edge, especially right now, because now you're with each other all day, every day. Yeah. So how often does this how often does the podcast air? Like, how does somebody watch or listen? So we're on YouTube and we're on all of the podcast platforms, Spotify. We got picked up by iHeartRadio, which was really thrilling. Yeah. Like, so I'm kind of slow. I didn't know iHeart was a thing like congratulations <laughs> but, you know they called and were like hey and we were like what and i was like is this for real and so then they picked us up but um our goal is to broadcast a month okay um, and so what we do in the meantime in between time is we collect all of those emails and all of the comments and all of the questions and that's the content that we use to do the next show and okay. so what I think for you is we're probably going to take two shows today because we have all of these questions. We got all of these emails and we're looking for themes because we don't want to keep repeating ourselves. So we're looking for things and the things that concern people the most are the things that we're going to take these two next shows about. And then we'll launch them in. My husband will do the production on them and, and they'll go up. Um, but the goal is every two weeks. But there's a there's a playlist on um, YouTube. Um, and then again, you can go to any podcast platform that you are um, already subscribed to and just look up Soulful Conversation, not with an S, it's Soulful Conversation because we're having one conversation at a time. So look up Soulful Conversation with Frank and Sheila and you can see the playlist of all of the episodes that are already out there. Okay. So since I have you on here and you have the Soulful Conversations, can I ask something? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I write about real things, um, real things that happen in relationships. A lot of people don't like to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Something that I find that women are the most curious in sometimes is um, men, women and men are married. And when a woman cheats or a man cheats, they think it's always about sex. Would you agree that loneliness, if people would recognize loneliness, it would help a marriage? <sighs> so here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. You don't put it out here, so let's do it. So I think loneliness and fear are the root of all emotional and mental illness. Okay. That at its root, People who are emotionally ill and mentally ill, it is rooted in those two things. Fear, they have a phobia about something, and loneliness, this, this sense of detachment. Okay. And I do a lot of work in this area because, and we're actually, we, we, we put it out there to see if we could have a conversation, if, if our audience was ready for us to have a conversation about this, and I think they are. So in our specific situation, my husband did not cheat on me. Okay. But I had an emotional affair okay. with someone because I was feeling lonely. Now, an emotional affair, but the other person didn't know you were having this affair, did oh, he? Yeah, he did. Because he was having it too. <laughs> he was having it too. So, so here's the thing we have to, as a society, and as a family, we have to get out of rating pain. Well, it hurts worse because it was physical. And we beat up on men because they are more likely to have a physical affair than a woman. 
but they haven't had an affair with a woman. Okay. So not, that's a whole nother conversation, right? Okay. okay. So men, and this is statistically speaking, I'm not pulling this, you know, out of the air. Statistically, men are prone to have a physical affair. What we're not talking about enough is the fact that women are more likely to have an emotional affair. And when and you say, I'm sorry, when you say emotional, we're talking about mental affair also? Mentally? Yeah. Okay. And see, I, I, categorize, I categorize all of that as mental, as emotional, okay. because women attach a feeling. It's the feeling that we fall for. It's the feeling. It's the feeling that those thoughts collectively produce. That's the that's the hit that we keep trying to get. It's that feeling. He makes me feel special. He makes me feel pretty. He makes me feel seen. Okay. You can have an emotional affair and, and, and not touch the person like ever right. at all, which was my case. Never, not at all. But but if he texts me, you see what I'm saying? So it, it's that rush. It's the adrenaline. It's the dopamine hit that you get with feeling like you matter enough to somebody that you just want to see what they got to say. You want to hear from them. Da, 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 da. OK, so as soon as we stop this ranking, which one is worse? Okay. And realize that what is causing it is fear and loneliness and address that. Okay. Then we can stop talking about who's worse, men or women. Mm -hmm. We can talk about, we can stop talking about who does it more, men or women. We can cut all of that foolishness out and we can get to the root. And this is what we talk about in soul care about untangling what matters. Let's untangle what matters. Because the truth is he didn't cheat on you because you didn't lose the baby weight. And the truth is, she's not cheating on you because you won't take out the garbage. There's some underlying thing that is happening that remains unaddressed that causes us to cheat, that causes our eye to wander, that causes us to have a split in our heart. That's what's doing that. And so we have to have a conversation about that. We have to have a conversation about the fact that no one it's no one else's responsibility to fill in all of my broken places. Ooh, okay. And that somebody disappoints me because they're no longer feeding or pouring into my broken places. Now I have a right to go get that need met somewhere else. Like we we gotta have that conversation. We gotta this is not about sex. This is this is that's not what it's about. It's about what was going on in you that started the scrolling that started the late night pornography watching that start, you know what I mean? It's what it's the cause. We got to get back to the cause. And then once we get to the cause, we can heal it at the root or cut it off. If it's worth saving, we can heal it. And if it's not because the level of the, of, of abuse and whatever else is so much, then we need a pause. Right. And the way that we create that is through the truth. Okay. And not being distracted by all of these details that really don't address why we behave the way we behave in the first place. Okay. What else can I ask? Well, I have you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, like, because this is the kind of stuff that we talk about with couples. And, and, and like I said, and maybe that's the first time I've shared that in that way. But but I understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand in a way that I'm not afraid to admit. I understand when you feel lonely. I understand when you and your spouse are you feel like you're growing apart. You feel like, you know, I'm supposed to be with this person. This is the this is the love of my life and all of that. I, I understand. And I understand how that can get severed. I understand how you can get distracted and he can get distracted. I understand how you can reprioritize things in a way that leaves the other person second or third or fourth on the list and that they feel that. And so then they have behaviors that are a response to that. So I understand that. But but we have to have that underlying conversation. You can't come to the battle station and say he did this and she did that, because the first thing I'm going to want to know is why. Okay. Wow. Okay. And so now, now we get into the now we get into the real. Now we get into the root of it. And so, yeah, loneliness and fear cause people to cheat. Yeah, because it, it's something. Because the first thing people want to say, 
they always say uh, she wasn't doing this for him or he wasn't doing that. And and I always say it's, it, you know, it, it's so much deeper sometimes. Yeah, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Um, I think it's, I think it is becoming more acceptable for men to explore their own emotional and sexual wellness. Okay. I think it's I think it's becoming more acceptable for men to say I was abused as a child. I think it's more acceptable for men to say I did not have a positive or healthy relationship with my mother or I whatever the whatever the root cause, I think it's more acceptable. And so we had we are in the greatest season to experience healing ever because people are willing to be transparent. People are willing to tell their stories. People are willing to be vulnerable. People are willing to say, that was me. And this is what happened to me. And that my behaviors aren't just a response to how you treated me. They're, a resp they're also um, embedded in me because of things that have happened before. And so because we're willing to do that now, we can have a holistic conversation. We can have a healthy conversation that leads to marriages being mended or relationships being mended so that they can move forward in whatever next level of commitment is most manageable for them. We can do that now. Um, but I think that there has to be people who are willing to hold space for people and keep their secret and not tell it, but offer them that safe space where they can talk about what's really going on in their marriage and stop fronting about it. We've had pastors and their wives. We've had all of it. And and I hope that the reason they came here was because they felt safe enough to tell their story, trusting that it wouldn't be shared, trusting that we wouldn't, you know, violate their trust or whatever. But that healing ha only can can only come when truth. When truth comes out, you know, and I and from talking to you and listening to you speak, because I know you, you talk about God um, yes. and I know you say pastors come to speak. But from talking to you, I want the people that are watching to know this, too. The person or the couple that comes to you don't have to be in church every Sunday to get counseling, right? They don't have to be in church at all. And they're going to get real from talking to you. I also gather sort of like the way I like to deal with people. You're going to you're down or you're going to talk to people in a way. It's not always scripture, 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 but in a way that they can understand that you, they know that you understand what they're going through. Yeah. And, and so let me balance that out. Um, it is the combination of actual study. Like I have a master's degree in human services. I have a minor degree in counseling. So it's not just my idea or what okay. I think. Um, and it's not just biblical, although we do use biblical tools, okay. right? As a professional clinician, there are modalities, right, that they teach you to take people through stages of therapy. And then we have biblical models. And then there's my experience. Okay. So okay. it's a combination of all of those things that allows us to hold space and have a converse, a soulful conversation with people that leads them to a place of wholeness. It's it's the combination of all of that. It's not, I'm not just the social worker sitting on the sofa with you, or and I'm not just the the person who loves God and has been in church all my life, and I'm not just auntie. It's you get all of it. You okay. get all of it. Do you're gonna be like Stacy, book a session. Um, but I'm just saying, people have okay, questions. Um should a woman confess or should a man confess a mental affair? I think it depends on your situation. I don't believe in absolutes. So one size does not fit all. I think that there are relationships where full disclosure is absolutely imperative in order to move forward. And then I think that there is a way to handle an indiscretion so that you don't cause more harm. Okay. Because just because you asked me the question right now doesn't mean you're ready to answer, you ready for the answer. Okay. And there might be some inner work that you need to do that helps you prepare for the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can handle it in a way that is holistic for you. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm a man and I suffer with mental illness and one of my um core beliefs 
is that I am not loved. I am not wanted. And you trigger that. I could have a violent response to that. Okay. So you might not be ready for the truth right this minute. So we might need to work on your core beliefs before your wife has full disclosure. And I think that's why counseling and therapies take patience. It takes time. But we live in a society, like I said earlier, people want a right now fix. I want the pain to go away right now. I just want her to tell me the whole thing right now. Mm -hmm. And I've had and we've had situations where people said, you know, we've had wives to say, no, I want to know the truth. I want to know every text message, every conversation, every time you was in her face. I want to know. And then they they crack under the weight of all of that truth. So maybe it wasn't best for you to know all of it at once. Maybe it's better for you to take truth in small doses. And so I think, again, it depends on the couple. It depends on the narrative. It depends on the details. And I think that a good therapist, a good counselor, a good coach can help discern the level of of a couple to, to, to take that next step and how much of a step to take. Okay. And my last question, because we're going to have to do this again, is, okay, can a relationship work if they just like each other a lot? I heard someone say not too long ago that sometimes you don't have to be in love. Do you believe that we could like each other a lot and build a life together? So I believe Yes, I do. Um, And I want to say because I know plenty of stories about situations where it wasn't love, but they made it work. Wow. They made it work for the good of the children. They made it work. and, And in it, they figured out how to have a life. See, where it gets toxic is when you're in like with somebody and at the same time, you are not fully yourself. Okay. But in that situation, it doesn't matter if you're in like or in love. If you're not fully yourself, it's not the best the relationship can be. So in our community, think about all of the situations where you got an auntie and an uncle and they don't sleep in the same bed and they they barely like each other. But they say it till death do us part. Mm-hmm. And he ain't going nowhere and she ain't going nowhere. And they grumpy <laughs> and they bite each other, but all the bills get paid. The grandkids are completely loved. The children still depend on them for wise counsel. I mean, I think there are too many stories to create absolutes. Okay. And I think that respect is the key. You, If you like each other and you're respecting each other, I think anything can work. Anything can happen. Longevity can be there. Is that optimal? Is that ideal? No, no, no. Um, I I know plenty of couples who love each other but are not in love with each other. Hmm. And I do think I do believe there is a difference in that. I think that you can love a person and not be in love with them, um, and have a level of commitment that is not absolute. Wow! Interesting. belief. That's just my personal belief. That's just my personal belief. No, no, because, you know, these thoughts are not the thoughts of the I am Stacey Thomas. Wait a minute. Say that again. I'm a disclaimer for you. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I I think, I think that it takes all types to make the world go round. That's right. I believe that. You have to be honest enough with yourself to assess your personal needs in a relationship. And if those needs are being met and other trappings just aren't there, then it is absolutely your choice to stay and even to thrive in it. I do. I think think I've seen too many resilient people to think that all of the ducks have to be in a row and every I has to be dotted and every T has to be crossed in order for a relationship to be successful and or in order for a relationship to work. I think it takes all types. Now, we have ideal we have what the optimum could look like. And then we have everything in between. Optimum and toxic. It's a whole spectrum in between there. And people fall somewhere in that spectrum. You could start out horrible and end like a dream. Who's to say? That's Who's right. to say? 
That's right. And so I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't, you know, it's challenging when people ask for absolutes, because like I said, for every story, I know another story. Hmm. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I know another story where people did the exact opposite. And they meant till death do us part and they ain't going nowhere. So then what you do with that couple? Oh, someone said they needed needed you years ago. <laughs> Just call me. It ain't too late. As long as you're breathing your body. You know, <laughs> I want to I want to do this again. Um because I've got some more topics that I want to talk. I, I want you, I want you I want you to talk to like the people that follow my show. I want the people that follow my show to follow you especially ones that follow me for the books and like the books because there's more than just sex in them. The issues that couples need to know, we just don't jump up and leave. No. And it's all right. African-American men and other men too. I'm going to speak on most of the men I know. Get up and go talk to Sheila and Frank. Oh yeah. Call me. You know, men have a tendency to... Don't want to talk. Mm -hmm. A woman says, let's do counseling. And she's telling this man this, we need help with our marriage. Mm -hmm. And he waits until she leaves to say he wants to go see a counselor. Oh, well, you know what? A lot of times the the there is a perception out there, especially if a man has done something, something wrong or or if the, if a man has a behavior that has produced a hurt. There's no reason for these men to trust that they're not going to get land blasted in the session. And if I'm already hurt, I hurt her and I don't need to go sit in front of somebody that's going to make me feel worse about the hurt that I've inflicted on her and myself and my children and my, you know. And so trust has to be there. You have to trust that you are sitting with somebody who really is nonjudgmental. And Stacy, when I tell you we have heard it all. Like we have heard it, we have heard, we have heard it all. And the reason that I don't have any space to be judgmental in a critical um, way that damns people is because if not for the grace of God, there go I. One life situation different, that could have been me. And so I can't judge you. I can't throw you under the bus. I can't throw you up on the cross and crucify you afresh because of what you've done. We can acknowledge what's been done. We can acknowledge the effect of what's been done and we can discuss ways to heal. And that's the process of a holistic, soulful conversation where nobody gets lamb blessed. And it doesn't mean that we don't take responsibility for what we've done wrong. What it does mean is that if there is genuine remorse, if we can have a conversation about changed behavior and not just being sorry, then we can clear a path forward. But if you don't have that part of it, then you're going to have a problem and you will cycle through the same stages of high, low, it's good, it's bad, high, low, it's good, it's bad. You will stay on that cycle for 20 years and look up and the kids will have graduated from high school and you'll be saying, you know what, I'm out. And that's how people leave after 20 years. That's how people who've been married 25 years, all of a sudden they're like, I'm out. The other thing is we encourage couples to have a healthy conversation about the difference between what's sensual and what's sexual. Because sometimes the reason a man cheats isn't even because of something sexual. It's really because of something sensual. Okay. It's because of something sensual. And because they don't feel comfortable having that conversation with their wife, same thing with women. The reason they have emotional affairs is because there has not been a holistic conversation about my sensuality. What attracts what? my, what sets my senses off? What 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 gives me that dopamine shot? We can talk about and, and couples do this in premarital. They talk about what he likes and what she likes. I like it when you do this. I don't like it when you do that. I like this position. I don't like that position. But you can talk about sex, but you can't talk about your senses. You can't talk about what sensuality means to each of you. You can't talk about affection. You can't talk. You Those conversations are more important. Then the sexual conversation, because let me tell you something, that sexual piece is going to last a certain amount of years and the clock is ticking the whole time because all your pieces and parts are not going to work the way that they used to. See, that was one of those questions I was going to ask you. You bring it oh, up. Sensual conversation is more important because when your pieces and parts don't work anymore, what do you have left? Oof. You still have to be sensual with each other when the sex is over. 
What do you do when your wife comes home and says, I have a lump in my breast and she's in chemo and radiation and sex isn't really a thing. You can still be sensual. You can still activate her senses. You can still have an erotic expression of love and not be sexual. And I'm going to assume if you understand being sensual and arousing each other in other ways other than sexually, I'm trying to get this. When something happens in a relationship and the other has a headache or the other, like you said, is sick or the other just can't get to where he should be. If you are, if you appreciate somebody else, because we being turned on in different ways. Yes. Interesting. If the only way, if the only way, and I say this to women, see, you, you making me go there. I say this to women all, all the time. If the only way that you can experience pleasure is through sex, then you don't know who you are. Oh, wow. And you haven't explored the fullness of your humanity. You haven't explored the fullness of who you are as a woman. If the only way that you can experience, honey, let me tell you something. I can stand in front of my freezer with a pint of Hagen, Swiss vanilla almond haagen ice cream and experience pleasure. Okay. <laughs> because we limit because we okay. limit pleasure to something sexual, we don't realize that pleasure should be part of our everyday. You should experience, I just said on Friday to 300 people, you should experience awe and wonder every day. Every day, you should look at something and go, wow. Every day, you should have a wonder. You should look at the clouds and be in wonder. You should be in awe. You should look at something beautiful every day. You should experience pleasure every day, whether it's a piece of dark chocolate, whether it's a glass of wine, whether it's a kiss, whether it's a hug from one of your babies. You should experience pleasure every day. And if you let yourself do that, you would never be dependent on one person to fully satisfy you because you would be getting it from everywhere. You will be getting pleasure from everywhere. Your your pleasure sensors would be activated all the time, everywhere, from other people. Now, that's not saying cheat on your wife. That's not saying I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is pleasure is a broad topic explored that goes beyond the physical. Pleasure should not just be physical. Sensuality isn't just physical. So until women make space for themselves to uncover, unpack and discover that, until men make space to uncover and explore that, then we will have these situations where people just hurt each other and they just hurt each other and they just hurt each other and they just hurt each other. And then you leave with a lot, lot of guilt because you think it's your fault and it has nothing to do with you. You're not the reason someone else does bad behavior. That's their stuff and they got to work on it. Now, can I love you enough to make space for you to figure that out in the relationship? Interesting. What are the boundaries? I want you to figure this out, but what are the boundaries? When are you tipping over into disrespect? And so, yeah, these are conversations that we have with couples. What does that look like? That's interesting because a lot of people, you know, some people, and I end it with this, I don't want to hold you up, but some people actually, because um, some women will sit there sad and hurt. Some men will sit there sad and hurt because they think they did something wrong. And, and I think that's a natural response. That is a natural response. But I think that if you go deeper. Okay. Okay. Now, what's, how can they, well, let me say this because y- y- you're just good. Is there anything about you or anything about you and Frank in the battle station or the author that I have not asked you about that people need to know? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that I would want anybody who's watching um, live or later to know is that you're not alone. And that if you want help, it's available. And that if you're willing to do the work, your life can change. Your life can change. Um, literally, a, a good conversation that is rooted in self-inquiry can change your life. Um, and that we are just one. We are just one resource in the community that will help you do that. 
um, the battle station is what it is. And as soon as this quarantine is over, I can't wait to have 30 or 40 kids in my yard playing, watching movies, doing the fire pit, cooking hot dogs until the box run out. Like I can't wait to do all of that. But in the interim, if there's anything that we can do at the battle station to help you nourish your own inner being, your own wellness, then we're here to do that. Okay. Okay. And if they want to find out more about you, they can check out your Facebook page or your business page. Yeah, they can go. So we got all of these pages, right? So we got Minutes <laughs> we got the battle station and we have soulful conversation with Frank and Sheila on Facebook. Uh, we have 15 minutes of grace and soulful conversation and probably two other pages. The soul care coach is another, is another page. The soul care coach actually has a free class on it right now called soul care versus self-care. What's the difference? And it's a free class. It's only 30 minutes. If you go to my website, SheilaBattle.com, you can take that class absolutely for free. Um, and it'll help you. Yeah. It'll help you understand more about the work that we do and the integration of this holistic approach that we take with people. Um, and then I give everybody info at thebattlestation.org. If you have a question, if you um, need more information, if, um, if you just want to set up a soulful a time for a soulful conversation, info at thebattlestation.org is the best place um, to reach us. But all of our social media platforms, we're on them every day. If somebody has a question and wants to reach out, do so. And we'll respond as soon as we can. Okay. So I've, I've put what I could up under here. When the show is over, please feel free to post um, your information. Tag yeah. me in your next show. Let people know um, what you guys are doing. And I want to thank you again for, it's almost like, it's getting to the point I want to say to people, thank you for being, um, thank you for willing to come on a show without judgment, mm -hmm. without being fearful of the unrestricted, unlimited. It simply means for those that are watching, I can't allow anyone to put me in a box. It doesn't mean anything bad. It's just that like Sheila Battle was put in my path. I don't know who God will have come. Right. You know what I'm <laughs> so I I'm, I'm I thankful for you and um, hit me up. If there's something else big that you need to talk about or something you need others to hear, Reach out to me, okay? Okay, all right. Have a great one, sweetheart. All right, you too. I love you, darling. And thank you to your audience for being receptive and hanging in there for this whole hour. I didn't know it was going to go an hour, but it was an amazing conversation. And I'm so glad that I got to have it with you. Thank love you, you too, sweetheart. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to hold you up much longer. That was a great conversation. At least that's what I think. Um, you guys that are watching, I want to say thank you again. I am Stacey Thomas, Unrestricted Unlimited. Don't put me in a box. And I like to tell people, don't stress too much about yesterday or worry too much about tomorrow, because if you do, you just might miss living today. See you next time.